All right, so show of hands this morning. Who thinks that that guy has the best accent in the world? <laughs> really? What? <laughs> what is wrong? I watched that video. Jameson, our video guy, he sent me that to, to make sure it was good. And, and I watched that. I was like, I wish I could talk like that. Critical people. I, he's, that guy's accent is phenomenal. I love it. I can't talk like that, obviously. Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Radiant Life. My name is Josh, one of the pastors here. And we are kicking off a new series today called Difficult People. Show of hands. Maybe you didn't like the accent, but show of hands. Who has ever had a difficult person in your life? Right? When we say, don't look at people. <laughs> You're not supposed to like look down the aisle at your mom or dad or your spouse. Don't do that. But when we say difficult people, we're talking about needy people. Maybe you've had some needy people in your life. We're talking about controlling people, manipulative people. We're talking about hypocritical people, right? These people that's like, man, they, they, they talk a good game, but when it comes down to the wire, I just, it just doesn't look like their lives back it up. Hypocritical people. And then you have those critical, negative people, difficult people. And kind of the big idea for this series, right, is, is the idea that we shouldn't view these people as projects, right? We shouldn't think, oh, well, hey, these are people that I'm going to fix. You know, if I could just get them to change a few things, they'd be a decent human being, right? We, we shouldn't view them as projects, nor should we view them as rejects. We can't just say, well, hey, I'm just going to cut out every difficult person from my life. I'm going to go live on an island somewhere. I'm going to go build a bunker somewhere, right? And we can't treat them as rejects. Why? Because these are people that we are called to love. So over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to unpack how we can love people that just suck the joy right out of life. Suck the joy right out of life. Now, today, we're going to talk a little bit about critical or negative people, which I was reading the, uh, reading the paper the other day, and there was an article about this, this uh, pessimist. And, and as it turns out, he has always hated sausage. Yeah, in the article, they unpacked that. He, he, he feared the worst. It was, no, really? <laughs> Nothing. Tough crowd this morning on Sunday. He feared, I don't even want to explain it. Look it up when you get home. Look it up. You'll be laughing at home later. Caleb got it. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. All right. That's why they don't let me out of my cage uh, too often. Too often here. Critical or negative people. What are we talking about when we talk about critical or negative people? Because we're not just talking about people that are a little bit more pessimistic. How many pessimists do we have in the room today? I'm actually, I, I, man, what is, first service too, there were like three of us. I lean a little bit more towards the pessimistic side of things. Apparently pessimists don't go to church because, <laughs> because there were three of us in first service and there are like three or four of us in the room here this morning. So maybe I just need, maybe I need to find a different profession. I don't know. We are not the, uh, we're not the popular crowd on a Sunday morning at Radiant Life. But uh, we're not just talking about people that lean a little bit more pessimistic, right? When we talk about critical or negative people, we're talking about people like the, the writer of Proverbs talks about. So some people make cutting remarks. Cutting remarks. These are people that, that constantly, they find fault 
and they make sure they point it out. These are the people that are going to belittle you. These are the people that they're just going to nag you about everything that you do because it's never good enough. Maybe this is a parent. Maybe this is a spouse. Maybe this is a boss or a teacher or a friend. But somebody that is always making those cutting remarks. That's who we're going to talk about today. How do we love that type of person. And I want to introduce you to my friend here. This is Critical Carl. If your name is Carl, I'm sorry. I, I mean no offense. If you, are a, <laughs> if you are a Cowboys fan, do we have any Cowboys fans in the one? Okay, I mean no offense. I picked a team at random. I really did, okay? Like, I'm not trying to like, you know, snipe anybody's favorite team. But this is Critical Carl. And today, he's going to represent to us that, that difficult person who makes those cutting remarks. And here's the deal. If you've been at Radiant Life now for a little while, around Christmas, into the new year, you've heard us talk about how 2020, we want this to be a year of great joy. Right? The idea that, that if we live into all that Jesus has for us, we can experience the truest joy possible. Joy that is only possible through Jesus. But when we encounter these, these negative, super critical people like Carl here, if we let it, that negativity will rob us of joy. That joy is available to us, but so many times we let things take it away. So how do we love the people that are out, and if we let them, they'll, they'll, they'll rob us of all that joy. That's what we're going to unpack today. I want to suggest to you a, a threefold response when it comes to dealing with critical or negative people. And now, I hope you know every, every week it is our goal to give you something practical, something connected to the Word of God, something that you, when you leave, you have, you have something that you can actually take action with. However, to expect that in, in, in four 30-minute teachings, we're going to be able to address every single aspect of difficult people. It's not realistic. So our hope is that this would, what happens today, what happens every Sunday, would be a conversation starter. That as you leave here with something, again, we want it to be practical. We want it to be something that you can take action on. But one of the things that we hope you do is that you start to have that conversation in community, maybe with a group of friends. Maybe you, you sign up for a life group. And you say, man... How do we live this out? And you start to have those conversations. Maybe at home around the, the, the dinner table, you start to unpack this and say, what might this actually look like in our lives? But I want to I give you a, a, a tool this morning. This is not, not going to cover every single base ever. Uh, we're not going to pretend like we have a, a magic bullet. But here's what I want to give you this morning. Step one, when you're dealing with critical people, you explore the Why? And you reframe. If you were here for our Mind Monster series back in October, Pastor Ryan talked about reframing. It's about changing the way we think about a situation. Step two, you're going to adopt a God-first perspective. What I mean by that is this. Everybody has an opinion, including God. When we adopt a God-first perspective, we say, what is God's opinion on this issue or this situation? 
And the third part is we're going to live like Jesus. That means we're going to dig into scripture and say, hey, with this situation that I'm in, does Jesus model anything? Did, did he ever encounter this type of situation to where I can see how he operated? Or does he give us any guidelines or commands that would be useful in this situation? So that's what the, the three steps are. I want to give you three case studies, if you will. I know everyone's like, ah, oh, that sounds like school. No, case studies are great. I love case studies. But this is just three scenarios where we can actually apply these three steps. So scenario number one, case study number one. You have a critical Carl in your life. Everybody say, hi, Carl. There you go. You guys sound like super, you guys know, like he's a jerk. So you're like, I don't want to be too peppy when I say hi to him, you know. Who knows what's going to set them off. So maybe scenario one, you have a critical Carl in your life. And it's, it's you versus critical Carl. You have a person in your life. Again, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a coworker or a boss. And they're always making those cutting remarks. And you feel like it's aimed at you. Maybe there's somebody in, the, in, the, in, your, in your school, right? You feel like the sole reason they exist is to torment you and make your life miserable. So you're in that situation where it's you versus Carl. How do we apply the three-step process right here? First, you explore the why. Now, human beings are complicated, you guys, you guys all know that we're we're a complicated we're a complicated bunch. And sometimes the reason we do things has nothing to do with why it seems like we do those things. Here's what I mean. Right? We we've got critical Carl here and he's like a total jerk bag, right? I mean, he's in there, he's coming in, he's making those cutting remarks, he's talking down on you. Everything is negative, 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 negative. Is any of it positive? No, it's negative. And we're like, man, we start to ask the question, I wonder, I wonder why Carl is like that. Now, this does not mean that you become Carl's therapist and you start to psychoanalyze everything. That Carl, oh, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, when he was a boy, somebody stole his bike. And, you know, I, I, it doesn't mean that you do that. But... You start to engage in kind of that thought experiment of, of, I wonder, maybe there's something behind this. I feel like it's aimed at me, but maybe it isn't. And that's where that reframing comes in, right? We change the way we think about the situation. Maybe there's something behind why Carl acts this way. Because really, a critical spirit could be born out of a few different things. It could be born out of pride, Right? Maybe, maybe he feels like he has to be the top dog in the room, so he's going to come into the room, and he achieves that by making sure everybody else is brought down a couple of notches. He has this, this pride, like, I, I have to be top dog. And so everything he does is born out of that. Maybe it's ignorance. Maybe he's, like, he's, he's just tearing down everybody else's thoughts about things because he just he doesn't know, like, and he's terrified that someday he might actually have to have an answer for something that he knows nothing about. And so he builds up these walls and he tears down everybody else's opinions and ideas. And it's born out of ignorance. Sometimes it could be born out of hurt. For all we know, maybe critical Carl did grow up in a home 
where the only thing modeled to him was mom and dad telling him that he was a total failure, that he was never going to amount to anything in this world, and that he should just curl up and die. Maybe that's where Carl is coming from. And when we start to unpack that, why we think, oh, wow, like, it feels like it's aimed at me. But this goes way deeper. Carl's not just being a jerk bag to me. Maybe he's got some, he's got some serious stuff that that's, he's dredging up from the past. And so you start to reframe that. I'll give you a, a, an example of that on a, on a sort of, sort of an example of that. I used to work in a hospital. And I would come home from work and, and my wife would say, well, how was it today? I'd say it was great. Like only eight out of the 10 patients I saw cussed me out today. It was fantastic. That's a good percentage. That's a good percentage. Nobody was ever happy to see me or my, my crew come through the door at the hospital. And my wife would say, well, how do you, how do you handle that? Like all these people just like they're, they're mean to you. Like they're angry. Like they're cussing you out. How do you handle that? I said, well, they're not really mad at me. Like they're in the hospital. And if you're in the hospital, you're probably sick, injured, probably feeling miserable. You got all kinds of things stressing you out right now. Last thing you want to see is homeboy coming in and being like, hey. So I said, I never actually, actually I probably did walk into some rooms and do that. So truth be told, I, I had to be an optimist there because oh, you'd, you'd get eaten alive otherwise. So, but I say, hey, it's, it's not really me that they're mad at. Right? They're, they're in a, in a place of hurt and pain and they're lashing out from within that. So I'm not going to take that personal. It has nothing to do with me. I, I explored the why. And I said, man, man, they're hurting right now. It isn't me. So we explore the why and we start to reframe. We say, man, why is Carl such a jerk bag? And we start to change. Well, maybe, maybe I can think differently about Carl. Then you adopt a God first perspective. Everybody has an opinion, including God. So what that means is as you, as you engage with Carl, right, and he's, and he's bringing these cutting remarks, and he's just tearing you down. You say, well, okay, hey, man, Carl doesn't seem to think very highly of me. But what does God think about me? And then we come to that point where we have to recognize that God's opinion of me matters more than Carl's opinion of me. Carl doesn't think I'm worth a dime. God says I've got a little bit more value than that. And we start to say, you know what? Rather than view life through the eyes of Carl... Rather than to view myself and let all these hurtful things that Carl is saying about me determine my identity, determine my value, I'm going to let God determine my identity. Let God determine my worth, determine my value. And then live like Jesus, right? That, that third step. Again, we go to Scripture and we say, okay, does Scripture have anything to say about how I might interact with Carl? And it just so happens that it does. So I'm a, I'm a little bit old school, right? So in your, in your benches, right, around your seats, row of seats, there's a Bible. I want to encourage you to grab, like, your actual, like, physical Bible. 
I know a lot of times not these days we use it on our phone and I'm, I'm old school. I like, I like paper. I like, to, I like to feel pages between my fingers. I want you to turn your Bible to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 27. I'll give you a second to get there. And then I want to do something old school again. And uh, I remember when I was in church growing up, they would say anytime it'd, it'd come time for the message and the pastor was going to read, he'd say, let's stand for the reading of God's word. So I want to actually invite you to stand with me this morning as we read through Luke chapter 6. I'm just messing with everybody. If you're a visitor here today, we don't normally do this, but they gave me the microphone, so... So we're doing this. It says this in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. But I tell you who hear me, this is Jesus speaking, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Go ahead and grab a seat here this morning. So as I'm locked in this struggle with Carl... What can I take away from what we just read here in Luke chapter 6? He says, I tell those, I tell you who hear me. And that doesn't just mean, hey, like if you hear the sound of my voice, clap once. Right? I mean, he's saying, and in some translations, it says, but to those who are willing to listen. Jesus knows that what he's about to present to the people hearing him is difficult. That this is not going to be something that they will necessarily want to hear. So he says, hey, if you're willing to listen, here's what I have to say to you. Love your enemies. This was not a theoretical concept to the people that Jesus was speaking to. They lived in a country that was occupied by a hostile foreign government. So when Jesus says, love your enemies, he means, hey, you need to love the Roman soldiers that parade up and down your street every day. You need to love the Romans that are taxing the snot out of you and your family. Those are the people that I want you to love. Do good to those who hate you. How many of you, like, your, your knee-jerk reaction when somebody hates you is to be like, oh, you know what, I think I'd like to do some good to that person. You're like, yeah, I'd like to do some good to that person, Right? Bless those who curse you. 
pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. Which I want to pause right there. Sometimes that one is misunderstood and, and unfortunately sometimes misapplied. Right? Uh, Matthew, one of the other disciples of Jesus, right? He wrote down this conversation with Jesus and he adds a detail that I think is important. So I want to, I want to bring his, his uh, record of this conversation into the picture. In that conversation, Jesus said, if somebody strikes you on the right cheek, everybody tap your right cheek. See if you can like make a, make a cool sound. You know, some people can do that where it's like they're playing a musical instrument, right? He says, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Why is it important that he says right cheek? Well, if name of power right here, which that's this guy, name of power, sorry, I'm, just, I'm picking on you, raise your hand. If name of power were to come up here, yeah, this, this is good, this is good. If he were gonna slap me on my right cheek, go for it. No. Oh. <laughs> no, you tell totally, me. I actually, no, no that's, that's, my, that's my left cheek. No, if you're gonna slap, if you were gonna like actually slap me on my, on my, on my right cheek, what hand are you using? I mean, it depends. It depends. Oh. <laughs> On what? Are you expecting it? <laughs> My left hand. He's, thinking, he's all like going, he's going. <laughs> name of power. Don't mess with name of power right here. He will strategically dismantle you. No. <laughs> left hand. Left hand. Left hand. Or what's your other option? A backhand. You can backhand me. Right. Now. For those of you not familiar with, with ancient Near Eastern, or actually modern day in some Middle Eastern cultures, what's the significance of the left hand? Is that, is that the hand you wanted to be holding your pita bread with? No, why not? That is your hygiene hand, ladies and gentlemen. Right, so after your pita runs the course through your digestive system, right, Charmin is not, there's not a lot of that. You can't go to Costco and buy like the jumbo package of Charmin. That's your hygiene hand. Everybody say hygiene hand. So, so, if, so if name of power, right. For name of power. That was so good, brother. That was so good. I think so. That was good. All right, thank you. I think we're, I think we're good. Right, so if, <laughs> if he were to slap me with his left hand, if he were to touch my face with the hygiene hand, that would be terribly insulting. Terribly insulting. So this is, this is not a passage saying, hey, if somebody is beating the crap out of you, just meh, just let him. Unfortunately, sometimes this is, this, is, this is misapplied to the point where people in an abusive situation think, oh, well, hey, Jesus says that I have to just you know, turn the other cheek. But that is not what that is saying. Jesus is talking about, hey, somebody insults you grievously, right? You don't take revenge. It's not saying, hey, if you're in an abusive relationship, you should just stay there. That is, that is not it. If you are in an abusive relationship, uh, get out, get help. Your two options, right? Left hand or what's the other one you said? Backhand. That's another thing, right, where, where some of the writers would say a backhanded slap, that's not a blow that is meant to physically harm somebody. That is a blow of contempt. Like, I hate you to the core of your being. So Jesus isn't saying, hey, if somebody is like literally beating the crap out of you, 
He's saying, hey, if, if somebody is insulting you, right? This is coming off of, hey, if somebody, somebody curses you, I want you to bless them. If somebody insults you deeply, again, this would, have been, this would have been huge. We miss the significance because we have Charmin and, you know, running water and soap, right? So if somebody slaps you on the right cheek with their left hand, it's like, well, you jerk, right? But I mean, it doesn't really go much further than that. So the significance of that is huge. He's saying, hey, you have somebody that does this, this, this hugely insulting thing. We don't respond in kind, and that's the core of it. That is the core of it. Because when, when people come at us, right, they're talking smack about us. They're like, oh, your mama's so fat. What do we do? We say, no, your mama's so fat. <laughs> and then we say, don't you be talking about my mama. And then, you know, and we just, we go back and forth because our natural response, right, when cool, when critical Carl, not cool Carl, he's not cool, he's a jerk bag, right, when critical Carl, when he's coming at us, our natural response is to do this, Right? We say, get out of here, Carl. Sorry, I didn't, I was, I was like, please don't hit Rachel. Like that. <laughs> a lot of times we want to respond in kind. We want to retaliate. Sometimes we say, hey, I want to either retaliate or I'm going to, I'm going to walk away. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to close off to this person. Jesus says, hey, here, here's what you do. You're not... You're not backing away, right? You're not becoming a doormat. It's actually a little bit punk rock. Hey, they, they slap you on the cheek, right? You're gonna turn to them the other cheek. You're not a doormat. Neither are you to retaliate. Which is our natural response a lot of the times with these critical negative people. Hey, you gonna bring that up in my house? Uh-uh. We're gonna have words. He says, no, no, no. The people that hate you, the people that mistreat you, the people that are your enemies, the people that curse you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bless them. Oh, bless you. I want you to bless them. I want you to pray for them. I want you to do good. Again, this is not passive non-resistance. This is saying, hey, I'm going to actively demonstrate love for you even though you're a total jerk bag. It is not easy. Following Jesus is not easy. And he, and he knew it. He knew we would struggle. I gotta come get Carl and kind of kick him way over there. She's like just... She's cool. She didn't even know. That was good. She's going to have nightmares of like critical Carl flying at her tonight. He lost a little bit of the air there. You got to survive one more service, brother. Case study number one, we have that critical Carl in our life, that person that makes those cutting remarks, the person that they're going to tear us down. How do we respond? We start to explore the why. We say, man, why, why might... Carl be like this. Maybe we change the way that we're thinking about it. I say, man, I don't, I don't think that this is really about me. Again, this is not saying you write off everybody that gives you constructive criticism. I love constructive criticism. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we improve. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about people that correct you when you do something wrong. So don't you dare, if you get pulled over driving home today, tell the officer, well, officer, you're just being critical of me and I'm not supposed to, da 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 you take your ticket and go elsewhere. 
don't do that. I told first service, I said, if that's your heart, I hope you get pulled over today. I really do. No, don't, don't, don't actually get pulled over. Uh, otherwise, you're going to come back next week and try to make me pay a ticket. Anyways, it's not correction for doing wrong. Right? It's, these, it's these people that make those cutting, biting remarks. We explore the why. We adopt that God-first perspective of saying, you know what? Carl has this opinion of me. However, God's opinion of me carries more weight. And living into that, living into who God says we are, not who Carl says we are. And then we start to look at Scripture and say, how do I live like Jesus in this situation? It means you've got enemies. You've got people that hate you, people that mistreat you, people that curse you. And you love them. You pray for them. I think, I think honestly, man, maybe, maybe, I don't, I don't know everybody's situation here. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a spot today, you're like, there's no way that I can love somebody like that. Maybe, people can be very hurtful, right? And, and this isn't to minimize the pain that they cause, because that is a real thing. And maybe you're saying, there is no way that I could do good for that person. I want to encourage you this morning, as a first step, to start to pray for that person. We've talked, Ryan has talked about this, Brian Kinsey has talked about this, I've talked about this from this platform before. It is very difficult to hate somebody if you are praying blessings over that person's life. So my encouragement to you is, at a bare minimum, start to pray. And not, not again, praying that they get hit by a train, pray that God will do good things in their life. And then as you pray and your heart is changed, right, towards, towards that person, because that's what happens, right? It, it's not that all of a sudden critical Carl is going to change and become nice Ned. Ned, yeah. What's up, brother? It's not that he's magically going to change and not be a jerkbag anymore. Primarily, we change. Jesus isn't saying, hey, I want to change all the dirtbags. He's saying, I want to change all your hearts. He's after our hearts. And as he starts to change our hearts, then you say, Lord, Lord, what's, what's a way that I can do good to this person? What's a way that I can actively demonstrate love for this person? And he'll show you. He will show you. And here's the thing, left on our own, none of this is possible. No, that's possible. However, we are not on our own. You know, JB mentioned it with, that, with, that, with the song earlier, right? We have the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. And all of this is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help, he'll help mold our natural reactions into God-honoring reactions. Man, if we tap into what Holy Spirit has to offer, it will, it will blow your mind. Because we, maybe we hear this and we think, no way, there's no way. Man, through the power of the Holy Spirit, absolutely, we can live out what Jesus calls us to. Absolutely. Scenario number two, before critical Carl totally deflates here. Maybe as you're sitting here this morning, you have that nagging voice in the back of your head and you, and you know or you're starting to realize you are critical, Carl. You are the one that walks into a room 
And you're going to make sure that everyone knows their place. You're the one that's going to throw those comments out there. Whether it's, whether it's overt, like you're just, man, full out jerk mode. Or you rely on like the wimpy cousin of jerk mode, sarcasm. And we hide it. Now, I'm not, to, hey, I, sarc- I'm not totally against sarcasm. Don't hear me. Hear me, right? But sometimes we use that as a way, if we intend it as a jab, that's wrong. Right? Maybe that's you today. How do you walk through this process if you are critical Carl? First, you start to explore the why. Now, maybe this means you go to some friends and say, man, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that I'm, I'm a little bit of a critical Carl. And they're going to be like, what in the world is a critical Carl? But you say, you know, I, I think the way that I respond, I use these cutting remarks. And I hurt people. And I live in this world of negativity and I'm always trying to bring people down. And hopefully you've got some friends that are going to be able to encourage you and challenge you as you, as you try to process through that and, and work out of that. Maybe you need to enlist the help of a, of a professional, right? You, you need a counselor or a therapist. Somebody that's going to help you unpack, right, and start to peel back the layers on, man, why, why is it that I respond like this in these situations? Why am I the way that I am? I think that can be hugely beneficial. The last couple of months, uh, my wife and I, have, we've met with a gal. She's just was like, hey, we just want some tools to try to make sure, you know, we're, we're communicating as best as we can. And, and we met with this gal, and after we were driving home last time, I was, like, I was like, wow, this got a lot messier than I thought it was going to, right? Because they have the tools to start to peel back. It's like, well, Josh, why do you respond this way in this type of situation? Let's explore that. Nicole, that's my wife, why, why, do you, why do you respond this way in certain situations? Let's explore that. And a lot of it is, again, we, we, when we talked earlier, sometimes it is, it's born out of pride or ignorance or hurt. It can be a deep, deep wound that you're carrying. Man, and thank God there are people with the tools to help us process through that. But maybe that's where you're at. And you need to start to really explore the Why? And then you need to adopt that God-first perspective, which in this case means as you, as you go into a room and you start to, to throw out those cutting remarks, you say, no, everybody's got an opinion. I have an opinion about all these people in this room, but so does God. And recognizing that God's opinion of who that person is carries more weight than my opinion of who that person is. And falling in line saying, hey, who am I to say I my opinion should carry more weight than the opinion of God. And then you go to live like Jesus. You say, hey, I'm, I'm critical Carl. Does scripture have anything that we can apply to this situation? And it just so happens that it does. For example, you look at Ephesians 4.29 where Paul says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up that it may benefit those who listen. Maybe you need to log that one away in the memory banks. And then when you start to roll into the room and like, man, yo mama, Holy Spirit can be like, is that helpful? Is that beneficial to those who listen? He is, <laughs> Carl is in bad shape, ladies and gentlemen. You 
You read through what James, the half-brother of Jesus, has to say about the power of the tongue. Our wound, our words can wound. And he says, hey, you can start a huge blaze with just a spark. The tongue has that power. So make sure that your tongue is under the lordship of Jesus, that your tongue is filtered by Holy Spirit. So yes, God's word has things to say for those of us that would say, you know what, I, I'm Carl. Scenario number three. You're a critical Carl, but the target of your cutting remarks isn't anybody else. But every morning you look in the mirror and you say, man, you are worthless. You are such a screw-up. See, how in the world could anybody ever love you? So you start to explore the why. And this is one, again, I, I would strongly encourage you, man, if, if, if you find that that is your life, that the target of your cutting remarks is always yourself. Bring in somebody who's going to be an encouragement to you. Again, go find that counselor. Man, we have, we, have, we have lists of resources for you. If you're like, I don't even know where to start. Explore the why. Why are you so hard on yourself? Then you adapt to God first perspective. As you look in that mirror every morning, instead of saying, man, you are worthless, you have no value, you're a screw-up, who could ever love you? You look in the mirror and you say, you know what? If I'm a follower of Jesus, I am a son or a daughter of the Most High King. I am an adopted co-heir with Jesus in the kingdom of God. I have enough value that the creator of the universe sent his son to die in my place. The speaker Brad Stein says, if the creator of matter says you matter, that's something to hang on to. And then as you live like Jesus when it comes to yourself and engaging your own critical spirit towards yourself. Maybe every day you need to start by reminding yourself of who you are in Jesus. That you are loved, that you have worth. around you, a community to support and encourage. People who are going to build you up and remind you that when you're having a day and you're like, man, I'm no good. Somebody that's going to say, no, you know what? You have value. You have worth. You are loved. Explore the why. Adopt a God-first perspective and live like Jesus. Whether you're, you're the target of a critical person, whether you're that critical person towards somebody else, or you're that critical person towards yourself. The team is gonna play a song now called More Heart, Less Attack. 
During this song, I want to I encourage you to just enter into a time of reflection and quiet. During this time, I'll, a couple of things. I want you to, I want you to really think about, hey, is there, is there a difficult person in my life, right? And over the rest of the series, we're going to talk about different types of difficult people. But maybe right now, you know who that difficult person is. And you start to say, Lord, how do I live out what we're called to? What Jesus says in verse 6, blessings and those that mistreat you. Love your enemy. Pray for those who are against you. How do I leave that out? What is something good that I can do to that individual? And then ramp it up and say, Lord, give me opportunities to do good. 